It is Monday, October 3rd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. A full slate of NFL action highlighted by a Super Bowl rematch. And a coaching change in the Big Ten. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. Welcome into Straight Out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. If this is your first time joining us on SOVAM, be sure to find the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You clicked on this link, you're enjoying the show, hit the like button, subscribe. New episodes are available every single morning, Monday through Friday at 5 a.m. Eastern time. And our goal is simple to provide you with everything you need to start your day with a winning edge. So what do we need to know to start your day today, AJ? Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs absolutely bully the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a Super Bowl rematch. The Philadelphia Eagles remain the NFL's only undefeated team. Bills beat the Ravens after a questionable coaching call. And we have to get into Monday night football as well. What's the Vegas lead? I think it's this matchup of the Chiefs and the Bucs. I I think the Kansas City Chiefs, a lot of people – kind of dropped them down a tier after last week's game against uh, the Colts. And last night they proved this is still one of the elite teams in the NFL. They The scoreboard doesn't tell the story. The score will tell you, okay, it's closer, close-ish game, 41-31 in the final. I assure you, th- this was not a close game. The Kansas City Chiefs absolutely dominated this game. And if there's one stat that tells you how this game went – it is 189 to three, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs rushing total 189, <laughs> and the Tampa Bay Bucks rushing total three three yards. They only attempted six running plays. That's it. That they is completely it. abandoned the run, and whether that was Tom Brady's decision, Byron Leftwich's his decision, whosever decision it was, it wasn't going to work here against a a Chiefs defense that came to play. Yeah, and and listen, 31 points, it's a lot more offense than we've been seeing out of these Tampa Bay Bucs. Sure, but a lot of it, listen, they did score the touchdown at the end that came on the uh, interception. Sean Murphy bunting, welcome back, right? We remember him from a couple of seasons ago, the playoff success. But uh, So you take away that touchdown and the game scored, they don't have as much. It was a high-scoring first half. But the Chiefs got off to a tremendous start. Yeah, the the Bucks fumble the opening kickoff, and Chiefs two plays later in the end zone with a, with a seven nothing lead. So, uh, the, you're right. But the Bucks were playing catch up all all game long. It just never felt like they were in the same game. And this is a Bucks team that, you know, like I said, 31 points by far their highest output of the mm-hmm, season. Mm-hmm. They'd only given up. 27 points coming into the season yeah. or into this game, though. So through three, three weeks, they'd given up nine points per game. Now, after this fourth game, their average jumps to 17, nearly doubled their average because they gave up 41 points in this game. So this was a, a really rough week for their defense. It was a rough week for the running offense. 
Uh, hell, it was in a way, it was a rough game for Brady, who was under pressure a lot all day. I mean, the, the stat line says it was a great day for Brady, 385, three touchdowns, no picks. Uh, but he was under pressure, and he had to throw the ball 52 times. So just a uh, it's going to be a, one of those days in the film room that's just not fun no. for Tampa tomorrow. Well, it is going to be fun for the Kansas City Chiefs. No doubt. Because Patrick Mahomes came to play. Offset eye behind Mahomes. Here's the snap. Mahomes back on a play fake. Rolling right. Being chased. Gets away. Mahomes is looking. Looking. Spins out of a tackle. Mahomes flips it into the end zone. Caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. I mean seriously. Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the back of the end zone on a jump shot from Patrick Mahomes extends the KC lead. What are are we doing here? (laughs) I mean, that's unreal. He spun away from Devin White. Got to about the two and then just flipped it up in the air like a jump hook almost from Mahomes. And Edwards Hilaire makes the catch in the back of the end zone. Audio courtesy of Westwood One. It's just one of the insane. most absurd plays you will see. And uh, that the play-by-play call does a great job because it like when he did it, I was like, is that even legal? It was like a jump shot. Like he like jumped in the air and almost like he was well, playing. What did on you a- see on the NBC broadcast? They did a tremendous job. I think it was during halftime. Maria Taylor was, was talking about it. They showed pregame warmups. Mahomes was doing. He was pretending like he was playing basketball against like Clyde Edwards Lara, whoever his teammate was, and he was like posting up and then he did like a jump shot with the football. Yeah. And one of the coaches pretended to have like the held out his arms like a basketball hoop. And so they were he was like practicing basketball before the game. And that play was a basketball play. No doubt. So this was a really uh, great game for Patrick Mahomes. You did mention the pick at the end of the game. Uh, no harm, no foul, but it was overall a, a great day for the offense. Uh, in Kansas City, and I think we have to firmly put them back in that conversation of the league's elite teams. And we may need to remove Tampa from it because you don't get smacked around at home like this if you're one of the elite teams in the league. And I said this coming into this game, I want to know part of Tampa this week because whatever normal home field is in Tampa, I don't think you could give it to them this week. And I know Tampa wasn't as affected by the hurricane as other parts of Florida were, but the Bucks had to go to Miami to practice. Like mm-hmm. they, their normal home week it was, routine it was, was almost, disrupted. It was basically like a road game because they're they're yeah going. If away anything, it was like a half home game. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't get the the luxuries that they normally get for their home game. So, uh, and it, they just they did not look in sorts. It, this was a this was a one sided game. And what's interesting is that you know the line movement in this game was just all over the place, right? So we were looking at it, and it was okay. You know, the Bucks are are dogs in this game, and then all of a sudden it's a pick All of a sudden the Bucks are favored. By the time this thing closed, Tampa was a two-point favorite. Or, and, and Kansas City, they balled out. They showed up. And so I don't know why all the Bucks love came in. I gave out some stats earlier last week on the Dream Preview podcast about just Tom Brady's record as an underdog, and I believe, what was it, on one of the SOVAM shows last week, didn't McKenzie ask, is it going to be, an, is, it, is the line movement an overreaction? Like, what is, what's going into this line move? And, and we tried to figure it out, but clearly the Chiefs were the only side that you should have been on in this game. Yeah, the Bucks fall to 0-2 at home, uh, losing in back-to-back weeks to other teams that we consider Super Bowl contenders, the Chiefs and the Packers. Uh, and, you know, they've, they get another chance this week at home against the Falcons to kind of right the ship. Uh, as far as the Chiefs go, Chiefs get a game with the Raiders next week at home, and then, 
Oh, boy. On the 16th of October, Kansas City hosting Buffalo. That should be a fun game. So how much do you upgrade the Kansas City Chiefs off this game? I think probably a point, and I think it's it. And that, that's not me personally because mm-hmm. I didn't drop them a full. I think most people dropped them. I think Fez dropped them a full point. Yeah. After the Colts game, so you're saying back what, to maybe preseason yeah, Chiefs. Yeah. Whatever you thought they were after last week, this should make up for it. So yeah, ugly loss last week to a team on the road that they shouldn't have lost to. I, I give you that, especially seeing the Colts lose again this week. Mm-hmm. The Colts, the Colts are just bad. Uh, but going on the road to Tampa and just smacking that team around, I think you have to give them credit because their other wins before the Colts game, people were starting to question, well, how how great is that Chargers win? You know, how good is the win at Arizona? And those are reasonable questions. Mm-hmm. This is a, a Tampa team that I, I don't think anybody thought they were going to go and just push around, and they absolutely bullied this team. Chiefs seven-point favorites at home Monday night football against the Raiders. I, the Raiders are unbattable to me right now. I know they got a win today. I, I'm not in. I'm not C- in. Congratulations! Yeah. They are no longer winless. It was a desperation spot for the Raiders, and they came through and won. I think that line is accurate, and I think if it gets below a touchdown, it did open at six and a half, I believe. But if this thing creeps down below that touchdown, I think the Chiefs are going to be a play. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about coming into the season, and and this was kind of the case last season, the NFC West. We talked about this is the best division in football coming into the season. By the end of the season, it clearly wasn't the best division in football. The AFC West was that division this year. We were all saying, oh, Chiefs and Chargers, 1 and 1A. Mm-hmm. Broncos got an elite quarterback. They're going to be humming now. The Raiders were a playoff team. They had Devontae Adams. Well, the Chiefs are the only team in this division that looks like we expected them to look preseason. I would agree with that. They look like the best team in this division. Chargers, a nice, nice bounce-back performance. Sure, so we'll but, see. And the Chargers are still clearly yeah, uh, but, limited. But we'll see how things develop. But for everybody that was so high on the Raiders, not quite the yeah, case. No. Uh, the Broncos, not quite the case. It, the Broncos' offense is just dreadful. Can I make the argument that the NFC East is better than the AFC West right now? <sighs> the Commanders are so bad. They drop everything down. They really do. That's a weight. But how about the three and one Cowboys, the three and one Giants, and the four and zero Philadelphia Eagles? Yeah. It's no longer the NFC least people. The NFC East is rocking and rolling. So we talked about the Chiefs next game. How about the Tampa Bay Bucks? Do we make an adjustment? You said you do. Bucks are massive favorites against the Falcons in Tampa. Eight and a half points. Coming up on Sunday. To me, this screams bet Atlanta. I mean, certainly in division, I don't like giving that many points. And the Tampa offense, while they're getting healthy, um, I I think that they're they're going to – it's going to take a while for them to really get to clicking. Uh, Godwin, even though he, he came back in the game, it was nice to see. But he left for a little while, too. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think his hamstring was bothering him. So they're just not all the way there yet. And if they can't run the ball, I don't want this team as a big favorite. I don't want to play big favorites who cannot run the football. And if tonight was any indication, they're going to have a hard time running the football this year. I agree with that. And also, what has to concern you about the matchup coming up, Patrick Mahomes was able to utilize his legs here. Had 34 rushing yards. 
got a couple of first downs, and yes, that ridiculous play towards the goal line, flipping the touchdown to CEH. Marcus Mariota has had a pretty good season and a good start to the season, utilizing his mobility to help the Atlanta Falcons offense. I think that's going to be a factor here. We have one team in the Bucs that has lost two straight. We have another team in Atlanta that has won two straight. Two teams couldn't be going in opposite directions anymore. Their expectations coming into the season were completely in opposite directions. And I think if you look at the two losses, the the I mean the Falcons now at two and two, and listen, they beat the Browns, they beat the Seahawks, so nothing nothing to write home about. But they were in it right there with the Rams in at LA. The end, at the end, it was it was they were losing by a bunch, but they came back yeah. and that, that and they blew the lead against the Saints. In the yeah, it's a game they probably should have won. So you, they should be three and one. I think they should be three and one, and we believe in. You know, a, a one-score loss to, at the Rams. No one's going to like fault you for that. This is like a a respectable start to to the Falcons' season. I think you got to say it's a lot. It's a lot of points for an in division game. A lot of points. That could be an early week. Concern yeah. would be this was the worst I've seen Mariota look all season. Like it, and it's, well, the concern could also thinking, be the Bucks losing two straight. It's Tom Brady's going to whip sure. his team into shape. You, but you always assume that, okay, Marcus Mariota, yeah, nice couple games. He'll turn back into a pumpkin eventually. <laughs> and today might have been – and they got a win, so I'm not taking anything away from it. But it looked like maybe he turned back into a pumpkin today. But the other thing, uh, you know, they ran the ball for 202 yards against the Browns. Are they going to do the same thing against the Bucks? But I'll, I'll tell you right now, I don't, I'm going to dive further into this game as we get throughout the week. And this may be one of my picks on the dream preview come, you know, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. But as of right now, this is one that I have circled that says, look into this a little bit. And so I will. All right. We're talking about the, the elite teams in the NFL. And we haven't even mentioned the one team in the league that's still without a loss. That would be the Philadelphia Eagles moving to four and oh, after a 29, 21 win over Jacksonville. This is an interesting game because th- this game is probably closer than it should have been. <laughs> uh, this was – it had to have been one of the worst games of Trevor Lawrence's career. Uh, he was set, he was under pressure all day, and the, the Eagles front is absolutely no joke. I, I mean, they're going to be a problem for people. They've got a great pass rush. But he gets sacked four times, threw a pick, and lost four – fumbles on the day. And granted, the weather was atrocious, wet ball. I get it. You can't lose four fumbles in a game and still be out there on the field. Trevor Lawrence, horrific day. Jalen Hurts, nothing special, certainly, but didn't make the big mistakes that Trevor Lawrence did. I'm going to uh, revert back to what I had said about this game on the Dream Preview podcast earlier this week. Because... The Eagles were my five-star play, laying the six-and-a-half. And was I a little upset at the way the game started when the Jaguars return an interception for a touchdown and go up 7 nothing? When the Eagles are they forced got to punt nothing, yeah. and the Jaguars go right down the field and take a 14 nothing lead? No, I wasn't happy about it. But then, very, very quickly, 14 nothing. Became 2014 as Philadelphia rolled in the first half like they always do. This is a team that came into this game 
I mean, I said this on the Dream Pod, averaging 24 points in the first half of football games while only allowing seven. Take away the interception return for touchdown. The defense only allowed seven points in the first half. I tweeted something out, and people laughed about it, but I said, remember when the Jaguars were up 14-0 and everybody was right about them? (laughs) Because it seemed like, and I said this on the Dream Pod, one good week from Trevor Lawrence, and all of a sudden everyone's opinion is supposed to be changed about the Jaguars? Come on, I got to see it more than one week here, people. And 17 quarterback hits last week for the Eagles against the Washington Commanders. When they have the lead, they pin their ears back, and they get after the quarterback. And they had a 2014 lead going into the second half. They extend that lead to 23-14 and eventually 29-14, and then they get after Trevor Lawrence. Four sacks, negative 26 yards on those sacks. You mentioned the fumbles, including one at the end of the game, which sealed the deal. Eagles also had a chance to go up. More than 20, they, they, they could have kicked the field goal at the end. They decided to go for it on the fourth down. So this score could have been a 31 20, uh, 32 21 finish if they kick a field goal there. Yeah, I think in all the fumbles were brutal. Trust me, you need, like turning over the ball like that is, is always painful. But there was one early in the second half, I think it was their second possession, where the, the Jags off of a punt had a real nice drive. They were down 20 to 14. And went for maybe five minutes, six minutes, Mm -hmm. got inside the red zone. And the interception. And then he throws that interception. That felt like all the air being let out of the balloon. Because if they score there, I think this game is a coin flip at the end. Which would have been a miracle given the the fact that Trevor Lawrence put the ball on the ground four Mm -hmm. times. And the Eagles recovered every one of them. But the, the Jags defense, if anything, we need to give them some credit. It feels like with five turnovers and you still only allow 29 points, the the Jags defense played their asses off. Just too many mistakes for the Jags here, and the Eagles did a good job of capitalizing on it. And you mentioned the big mistake early, the pick six. No other mistakes in that game. The the Eagles played clean football. The Philadelphia Eagles are now the third favorite to win the Super Bowl. You have the Bills at 4-1, to the Kansas City Chiefs at plus 750, and the Philadelphia Eagles plus 800. I'm trying to think of an argument for someone other than them, and I, I'm having a hard time. We saw, obviously, Tampa struggle today. We saw Green Bay struggle, uh, at least on the offensive side today. The Ravens, who looked great the first couple weeks, mm-hmm. their defense is just its not good enough. Uh, so I its i have a hard time making an argument against them, against the Eagles. So and, I think that's also, a fair number. They're favored in every game the rest of the season. I know they're not going to go undefeated. The odds of that, it's just, it's not going to happen. I also tweeted out last week there were odds available, Bet Online had them, of when they would lose their first game of the year. And it was at the Cardinals 12 to 5, which is this coming week, at, uh, at home against the Cowboys 9 to 2 in week six, or you could bet week 10 or later at 5 to 1. Well, the odds coming up here for this next week for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they are five and a half to six point favorites at Arizona. It's either the Dallas game or it's after week 10. After week 10, you get you're at the Colts, which again, the Colts stink, Mm -hmm. but that's a tough place to play. 
then you've got a home game against the Packers, which isn't going to be easy. Uh, and you're going to have the the road game at Dallas late in the season. This Cowboys game in two weeks, is that's the one. If it's going to happen before week 10, I think that's the spot. What do you think about this game coming up here against Arizona? I don't have any positive things to say about Arizona. They were my, they were my favorite play this week. And my four-star play. I sweated the entire game. (laughs) It shouldn't have been a sweat. The Panthers are so bad. Baker Mayfield, it might be the worst quarterback in the league, and the Cardinals still struggled to get them out of there. Uh, I've got no faith in this Cardinals team. The Panthers. Speaking of Baker Mayfield, uh, the Panthers are now one and twenty-six under Matt Rule. I can't imagine allowing much longer when allowing seventeen points or more. Twenty-four straight losses. For the Carolina Panthers, when they allow twenty, oh, excuse me, when they allow seventeen points or more, twenty-four straight losses. So, if you look at the Panthers' schedule, right, and you just see, okay, when is there a game when they're not going to allow seventeen points? Play the 49ers. I think the 49ers can score seventeen. If I told you their team total was under seventeen, you would say I might take the over <laughs> against the Rams. If I told you the Rams team total was 17, you'd say, I'm going to take take that against the Bucs. If I said their team total was 17, are they going to get a defensive touchdown? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. It's just, your point's well taken. (laughs) The Panthers, they're just a terrible football team. The win last week, good for them, but this is not a good team. But the Eagles are not bad. They are the best team right now in the NFC. Can't go as far as to say the best team in the NFL, though, but they are the favorite to represent the NFC right now in the Super Bowl. Yeah, the team that a lot of people think is the best team, including the Vegas odds, think is the best team. The Buffalo Bills got a nice come-from-behind road win at the Baltimore Ravens. Weather, not the best, uh, but this is a team that got the, the Bills down 20-3 to late in the second quarter, get a touchdown going into halftime, and really just rolled in the second half where it dominated the, uh, dominated the Ravens in that half. The Ravens' defense stinks they stink aj and they stink in a way and and listen i've said this before the bills are going to make a lot of good teams look bad and they have done that i mean the bills made the titans look like they didn't even belong in the nfl the bills made the rams look like a joke this is a team that's going to do that but even in weather conditions that prevented the bills from being the high-flying bills they still had their way with this with this defense. It's it, it, they've got major holes to fill in Baltimore. And then there was you know Marcus Peters throwing a hissy fit on the sideline, first time mm-hmm. ever. I think he's done that because he's always been so emotionally cool, calm, and collected. It was weird to see him get fired up. That's absolutely sarcasm right there. <laughs> uh, but uh, overall, it just boiled down to these two quarterbacks, and one was able to have more success than the other against the defenses. The Bills' defense came ready to play against Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens did not look prepared for Josh Allen. The Ravens, they allow the Dolphins to have that monster fourth quarter. They allow the uh, the Bills now to come back against them. And something, A.J., that tells me that the perception of their defense is not just – from us on the outside looking in. It's from the inside as well, specifically at the head coach position. John Harbaugh's decision to not kick a field goal there in the fourth quarter tells me everything I need to know about how he views his defense because he clearly does not trust them to come up with a stop. 
Yeah, and and you'll you'll hear a clip from him in a second where he makes it sound like, oh, I definitely, definitely think we would have got a stop there. I don't think he believes that for one second, but you're right. This was a game, you know, you're talking about at the end of the game, you've got, you've got the best kicker in the whole wide world, four minutes to go, chip shot kick, you go up three points. The old Ravens, it's not even a debate. The old Ravens kick mm-hmm. the ball and say, let's count on our defense. You're at the two-yard line with four minutes left in the game, 4.15 left in the game. Fourth down from the two-yard line. I do think this is important, though. I'll, I'll, I'll let you get to what happened. But on second and goal, they were at the one and got pushed back to the four. Yes. So this, like, if, if they don't lose yardage on second down, mm-hmm. maybe this is a different decision. Because then they would have third down from the one-yard line. Or maybe, I shouldn't say maybe it's a different decision. Maybe this decision doesn't doesn't matter. But because they lost yards, it it really put them in a spot where it felt like they should have kicked, should have taken the points. You know what, let's hear what John Harbaugh had to say about it. Well, I I felt like it gave us the best chance to win the game. Because seven, the worst that happens is if they go down the field and score, and I think we'll get them stopped. But if they go down the field and score a touchdown – the worst thing happen is that you're in overtime. But you kick a field goal there, now it's not a three-down game anymore. It's a four-down game. And you're, you're putting them out there. You're putting your defense at a disadvantage because they've got four downs to convert all the way down the field and a chance to, again, score seven, and then you, you lose the game on a touchdown. So and then the worst thing, the other thing, you think you're going to get the ball at the two-yard line. So I'm very confident in our defense. Defense's ability to stop them down there with the ball on the two-yard line. So we got them backed up. If we don't get it, didn't turn out that way, unfortunately, and we lost the game. So... Hindsight, you could take the points. But if you look at it analytically, I understand why we did it. I don't totally disagree with him, although th- there's one part that is confusing. If they kick the field goal, it's a four-down game for the Bills. If, if they score a touchdown, it's a four-down four yeah, game yeah, for the Bills. Four-down like, regardless. That's, that's the, called the end of football games, John. <laughs> that's how things work now. Uh, if, if a team's got to get seven, they're going to on fourth down. They're not going to kick a field goal there. What do you think's going to happen? They're, they're not punting. If they're down three, and they, what do you think they're going to do? Punt? It doesn't make a lot of sense. So yeah, this was. I I can also see his side though, and he doesn't want to say it's the defense, but I don't blame him. The defense didn't feel like they were going to hold, and at the end of the day, the Bills got down and they went down before they scored a touchdown because they didn't want to give the ball back. Mm-hmm. One of the times where fantasy owners hate it and analytics guys think it's brilliant because they basically squeezed the life out of the Ravens with that play, but if the Bills wanted to score a touchdown, they would have. Yep. The Bills were the team in this game, uh, especially after a slow start. Uh, the, the Josh Allen throws a pick early and, and got punished for it, and this was a, a game that kind of after the after the first quarter didn't feel like a competitive matchup. I, I thought this was going to be a matchup of two of the heavyweights in the AFC. Mm-hmm. At this point, as great as Lamar Jackson has been, it's hard for me to consider the Ravens a top tier team because their defense is just awful. Prior to this game, you probably had the Ravens. Maybe borderline top 10 team in the NFL. I did have them in the top 10. Lamar Jackson yeah. playing like an MVP, uh, you know, big win against the Patriots on the road. So they snap out of that, you know, the funk that they were in after blowing the fourth quarter lead to the Dolphins. And you have to acknowledge, you know, the 38 points that they did score against the Dolphins. I think after watching them in this game, the concerns that you might have had from that Dolphins game are now real concerns. And going up against the Bengals next week, 
I don't know how confident you can be in the Ravens laying north of a field goal because that's what the line is right now, three and a half points. Yeah, this is the biggest game, I think the biggest game on the card next week. Uh, This is a game that is probably going to decide the AFC North because it's pretty obvious the other two teams aren't going to be in the mix. So the winner of this game certainly has the edge going forward, especially with the Bengals kind of getting back right after that win over the Dolphins last Thursday. This this feels like a almost like a playoff game. So I, I'm excited for this again in an interdivision matchup like this. I, I tend to want to, especially three and a half. I'm going to want to take the dog there, especially because again, I don't trust the Ravens' defense right now. You I can't. You it, can't it, trust the Ravens' defense. And it looked. I'll, I'll say one thing for the Ravens today, and this is something that I I've been kind of hammering on them about is they haven't been able to run the football and outside of Lamar Jackson. J.K. Dobbins today ran the ball okay. Justice Hill actually ran really well. So they got a little bit of a run game going mm-hmm. today. And of course, Lamar Jackson, of course, was brilliant running the football again. Uh, so I, it's not like they have to run without Lamar Jackson. You just like to see someone helping him out. Uh, if they can run the football, it gives them some chances. But this team that's built been built for so long on defense and running the football, they've basically got to change their identity completely because the defense isn't good enough for them to sit on leads. Ravens minus 110 to win the AFC North right now. The Bengals plus 250. And they're both 2-2. Two and two. That's surprising to me. Yeah, because it feels like this game is going to be like a correlation for it the division It really lots. does. And if I, it's almost if you like the Bengals, you take that, you, you take that plus 250. I, I would agree. Plenty of exciting action from week four Sunday. Let's get to a little NFL rapid fire, AJ. And we'll start with the London game. It was uh, 6.30 local time here in Vegas, but 9.30 Eastern time kickoff bright and early. The Vikings beating the Saints 28-25 as a Will Lutz 61-yard field goal attempt has the double doink at the end of the game. Brutal way to lose for the Saints. Some questionable officiating down the stretch in that game. Boy, Saints fans seem to always be on the wrong end of the questionable officiating, but it felt that way once again. But the Vikings, just the better football team here. And, and like, did the Saints deserve to lose the way that they did? Probably not. But the Saints deserve to lose the game. Andy Dalton got the start in place of Jameis Winston, who was injured. And also, the Vikings missing a key extra point in this game, which made this even a field goal battle. So if you had Minnesota minus the three and a half, tough luck there. Seattle Seahawks, 48. Detroit Lions, 45. And this has kind of been a trend for the Detroit Lions. Uh, The the offense is going to be there. They're going to put up points. Can the defense hold up? Couldn't hold up today against a meh offense in Seattle. And this is why I just have a heart. Anytime I see Detroit minus. First time in 26 games. I, I, I just can't bring myself to pull the trigger. This was exactly why. This is a team I think is always going to fight from behind. But they're gonna sometimes they're going to be too far behind. And you saw that in this case. 22 fourth quarter points for the Lions. I love it. I love the, the don't quit attitude that Dan Campbell instills in his team. But when you're down that many points going into the fourth quarter, it doesn't really matter if you're still fighting. In week two, I sent out a tweet that said, no Lions game is over until it's over. And then I quote tweeted it and I said, but all Lions games go over. Yeah. Because that is what's going to happen here. Probably every game for the rest of the season, we're going to see the Lions score a ton of points. We're going to see the Lions give up a ton of points. 
The Dallas Cowboys beat the Commanders 25-10 as Cooper Rush remains undefeated as a starting quarterback, AJ. Yeah, listen, you got to give Cooper Rush some credit, and I've certainly been slow to uh, slow to buy into this Cowboys team, but they're now sitting at 3-1, and one, and I get it. The wins are over the, the Commanders and the Giants, and eh, the Bengals, a good win, uh, but this is a, a team that is about to run into the meat of their schedule. At the Rams next week, at the Eagles, we're going to learn a lot about these Cowboys in the coming weeks. Washington 1-3 ATS to start the year. Washington's uh, awful. They, they're one of the one of the teams that was most overhyped coming mm-hmm. into this season. Dallas, though, 3-1 ATS now on the season. The L.A. Chargers take care of business against the Houston Texans. The Chargers move to 2-2. Two two. Texans fall to 0-3-1. 34-24 the final. Justin Herbert, have a day. Ribs be damned. 27 for 39, 340 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Austin Eckler, have a day. Austin Austin Eckler. A couple running backs have a day. Eckler didn't have a rushing touchdown on the year this year until this game on Sunday where he had three of them. Well, two on the ground, one through the air. Uh, And Damian Pierce for the Texans also had 130 yards and a touchdown. So big day for the ground games there. But... Justin Herbert, I think the the story is this looked like the old Justin Herbert. Sure. So if it was a matter of you know how long does it take for him to get over the pain, he looked right. QBR just short of ninety one for this game, and the Texans are in a real spot here because there was a lot of belief preseason that Davis Mills could be the guy, mm-hmm. and they may have found like this lottery ticket that that was just a, a gym. Davis Mills is starting to look like he's not it. And another rough game for him. Puts up some late garbage time stats. But the Texans, they may not have to trade up for the first pick in the draft. They may just be there. This is a a pretty bad football team. Falcons beat the Browns 23-20. Nick Chubb had himself a day, which he usually does for the Cleveland Browns. Browns uh, did rush for 177 yards as a team, but the Atlanta Falcons rushed for 202 yards as a team. Marcus Mariota just 7 of 19 for 139 yards, no touchdowns and an interception, but the Falcons getting the job done, a big interception there at the end when the Browns had a chance to possibly march down and kick a game tying field goal or go into the end zone and score a go-ahead touchdown. Atlanta 2-2 two and two now on the season, and they are the only undefeated ATS team left in the National Football League. Four games, 4-0 ATS, the Atlanta Falcons. The Tennessee Titans over the Indianapolis Colts, 24-17 the final, and the Colts continue to just look dreadful. They have a game last week against the Chiefs. I don't know where this Chiefs win came from, to be honest. When you when you look at the rest of what the Colts have done, it, it makes that win it over the Chiefs. It came from even... a phantom, unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct penalty. That's it, where it came from. It makes it even more improbable. And the final score in this game, like I said, 24-17. to 17. This was a 24-3 to 3 game. This was a blowout, and you know the, the Colts put up some garbage time stuff. But the Titans jumped out early and just stayed on top of them. We've been talking about, well, is Derrick Henry washed up? Is he done? Derrick Henry had a day, 22 carries, 114 yards. And on the other side, the perceived best running back in the league coming into this season, Jonathan Taylor, 20 carries, 42 yards. So Derrick Henry averages 5.2 yards per carry. Jonathan Taylor, 2.1. That's the big difference in this game. Are we sure about Frank Reich? 
No, and Frank Frank Reich's got to be on the hottest of hot seats. And I was a big Frank Reich guy coming into this or when he got hired. I thought that Frank Reich was a great hire. Uh, I, I think at this point, in a division where results should be a lot easier to come by, mm-hmm. he's just not coming by him. And and you, this is a guy who's the quarterback whisperer. How many quarterbacks are you going to whisper to, and they're all going to stink? Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? And Matt uh, Ryan, nine and eight last year, and this year off to a one and two and one start. Yeah, Matt Ryan, you'll look at the if you look at the newspaper stats, you're going to say, "Oh, good day for Matt Ryan. 356, two touchdowns, uh, 39.8 QBR, inefficient, ugly day for Matt Ryan." The numbers pile up because they were chasing the entire game, but not a good game for Matt Ryan. The New York Football Giants improved to 3 and 1 with a 20 to 12 win over the Chicago Bears, and the Giants felt like they were running some sort of uh, triple option offense here. Uh, Daniel Jones was 8 of 13 passing for just 71 yards. That's it. But Daniel Jones rushed for 68 yards and two touchdowns twice, scoring touchdowns on a bootleg play action play where the Chicago Bears, they it's like uh, it's like watching kids at a birthday party with a, a magician doing some cheap tricks, and they're like, wow, because Daniel Jones would fake a handout to Saquon Barkley, and the entire Chicago Bears defense was like, where's the football? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know where this game came from, but this was a, a, a kind of the opposite of Matt Ryan. Like, if you say, look at the, the newspaper box score, you're going to see Daniel Jones. You're going to go, ugh, there's typical Danny Dimes, huh? But Daniel Jones actually played a really good football game, and, and it, the numbers aren't going to bear it out. But he was he was really, really efficient, great running the football, and the Bears are awful. Justin Fields stinks. He stunk again, 11 of 22 passing. I don't know that you can win many football. And I get it. They won the game against the uh, – they were 2-1 and one coming into this thing. One of those wins, the San Francisco win, eh, okay. And then they beat the Texans, who, like I just said, are probably the worst team in the league. The Bears aren't far behind them. This is a, a really bad football team, and what I said at the beginning of the season, they didn't do anything to build this team around Justin Fields. They're not doing anything to help him. It seems like they're content just kind of letting him hang out there to dry. An NFL team won a football game while their wide receivers touched the ball three times. That's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a crazy that's a crazy stat in 2022, no doubt. They touched the ball three times. Uh, the New York Giants, uh, yeah, I mentioned three and one, and uh, looking like maybe can make a little noise here in the NFC East. The New York Jets get a 24-20 win on the pit, over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Zach Wilson's back, baby. Yeah, Zach Wilson is back. Um, had as many receiving touchdowns as passing touchdowns today, so he had that going for him. <laughs> uh, this was a listen. This was a, a weird back and forth game. Kenny Pickett comes into the game for the Steelers. He is pretty bad. Uh, although no balls hit the ground with Kenny Pickett. That's correct. He was ten of thirteen, <laughs> three interceptions. So if he if it there are no incompletions. If he was missing, it was going straight to the other team. Uh, but the this was a game that came down to the end, and it was a, a nice play by Brees Hall, a very close touchdown call, and the Jets go up 24-20, get the win, 
And this was a matchup of, I think, two of the worst offenses in the NFL. This is obviously going to be one of the major storylines of the NFL this week is will there be a quarterback change in Pittsburgh? Here was Mike Tomlin after the game. You know, I'm not going to talk extended as we sit here. We did what we needed to do to put ourselves in position to win this game and um, we'll do it again. Um, But I like to just keep it where we are in terms of what transpired here today. We'll deal with next week, next week. Yeah, and it's one thing for Kenny Pickett to come in at halftime against the New York Jets. It will be a totally other thing to go into Buffalo next week and face the best team in the league. So, so maybe you don't want to throw him to the fire there against the Bills? It's tough to say because he did give them a little bit of a spark today. Besides the uh, the mistakes, it mm-hmm. looked like you know they, the team reacted well to it. The, the offense picked up, certainly. Uh, but those kind of mistakes, you do that against Buffalo, you're, you're losing by 40. Let's go to the Arizona Cardinals beating the Panthers 26-16. to We kind of touched on this a little bit earlier. The Panthers now uh, 24 straight losses when they allow 17 or more points. Not much more you can say about uh, Baker Mayfield and, and the Panthers. There's nothing nice to say, and my mama always said, if you got nothing nice to say, just keep it to yourself. So that, that's what I'll do. Packers in overtime. Nine and a half point favorites, right? Yeah. And it took overtime to defeat Bailey Zappi and the New England Patriots. Yeah, this is, this uh, Brian Hoyer gets knocked out of the game. Rookie Bailey Zappi, the third-string quarterback, comes in and actually looked pretty decent, you could argue, played as well as Aaron Rodgers for a lot of the game. Uh, but, yeah, the Patriots had a good game plan in this thing, and that's going to keep the Patriots in a lot of games that they shouldn't be in because the talent isn't really there for the Patriots. They're not good enough to keep up with a lot of teams, so a lot of it has to be game plan and scheme. And they they were able to keep it close, but at the end, once it went to overtime, I kind of had the feeling which way it was going to go. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought the Packers would get it done. But kudos to the Patriots for for hanging in there in this thing. Uh, you know, they're just down to the the bare bones of this thing. It's going to be really hard for them to to pull off wins like this. Do you downgrade the Packers at all? Three th- and one now on do. the season, but have not looked impressive at all. Yeah, and this was – you're going to see 27 points, but this is this really kind of – you could argue it's the – it's every week has been – underwhelming offensively Mm -hmm. the the one weekend they really put on a show and it's I don't know why I'm saying it like this they put up 27 this week they put up 27 in week two against the Bears but the Bears in week two felt like it was an easy 27 this didn't feel like anything came easy today Aaron Rodgers just grinding and fighting for everything which I guess you're gonna have to do a lot but the Packers certainly don't feel like a dominant team right now although their next three games Giants Jets and Commanders it, it may give them an opportunity to look right for a little bit. I got to be honest with you. I might I might look towards the Giants. Just seeing the way that the Patriots came into this game and had so much success on the ground, 33 carries, 167 yards. Yeah. What do you think the Giants are going to do to the Green Bay Packers? The same exact thing. And with all due respect to Damian Harris and Ramon Jerry Stevenson, the RB1 of the NFL through four weeks is Saquon Barkley. So I might look strongly at the New York Giants in that game. I wouldn't blame you, although they're going to have to stop Aaron Jones, who's right there in that conversation with Saquon Barkley, who was phenomenal again today, and really the reason why the Packers won this game. 16 carries for 110 yards, so just under 7 yards per carry. You had an A.J. Dillon having 17 for 73. The Packers ran the ball really well. It's just what we're used to seeing the Packers do 
they weren't doing today. That Aaron Rodgers zipping it around, it mm-hmm. just wasn't happening. But Aaron Rodgers, more than anybody, will tell you he doesn't really care how we win games, win, wins or wins or wins, ugly, grimy, whatever. Uh, I know he's not he's not happy with the way the offense is going, but I think we knew coming into the season the offensive parts around him weren't going to be enough to make him happy. Raiders beat the Broncos 32-23. They are no longer winless as they pick up their first W of the season, but the Broncos now 0-2 away from Denver on this early season. Yeah, it's really hard to know what to make of the Broncos because everything you know last season said they're one quarterback away from being a really good team. And they go out and they got a better quarterback than I think anybody would have thought they would in mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. But Russell Wilson's been very ho-hum, and that's even on the good days he's been ho-hum. On the bad days he's been bad. And Russell Wilson was ho-hum again in this one. And fantasy guys love it because he had two passing touchdowns and a rushing touchdown, but he wasn't good. And I think a lot of this is whatever you think of Josh McDaniels, and I think he's one of the more overmatched coaches in this league, the Raiders had a coaching edge in this game. And take that how you will about Nathaniel Hackett. He seems in way over his head. And I said that before. I'm standing by it. He is really holding this team back because this roster should be a lot better than this. And they, they do not look like a competitive team right now. Denver Broncos next week will try and bounce back. They are home Thursday night against the Indianapolis Colts laying a field goal. And that is your rapid fire for the rest of the Week 4 games. I will say this, though, AJ, we won. Congratulations, people. We won. What did we for win? the first time this <laughs> NFL season, sportsbooks have reported a losing Sunday. Oh, uh, Everybody cry your tears for these guys. We won. <laughs> we did it. The public, the people, we won. Do you feel bad for them? No, their doors will be open. I think they'll make it. On Monday for Monday Night Football. I think they'll make it. And speaking of Monday Night Football, we've got a good one tonight. The San Francisco 49ers, the LA Rams, and the total right now sitting at 42.5. The 49ers, one and a half point favorites. I was all over the 49ers last week, and it didn't look good against the Broncos. Jimmy G did not look good against the Broncos. All the positive vibes that I was getting from the 49ers with the, I apologize for saying it like this, but with the Trey Lance injury, I felt better about this team with Jimmy Garoppolo on their center. Those feelings went away after watching the way that team played against the Denver Broncos. Now going up against the Rams, It's a much more difficult opponent defensively than the Denver Broncos. I just think that there's reasons to be concerned for the 49ers here. And let me ask you this, AJ. You mentioned the 49ers are a small favorite in this game, right? Point and a half. If we reverse the script, so let's say we're giving the 49ers a point and a half for being home. Do we really believe that the 49ers and Rams are even teams on a neutral and that the Rams would only be a one to one and a half point favorite in L.A.? Now, I know there's no there's no home field advantage in L.A. And the stadium would probably be full with 49ers fans anyway. But 
I think the Rams are a better team than the 49ers right now. It's funny. I, I don't know. And, and I wonder if if Jaquiski Tart holds on to that interception last year and the 49ers go to the Super Bowl instead of the Rams, mm. do we still think that? It's funny how little things here and there change our perception of these yeah. things. I think these teams are a lot more even than anybody wants to believe. Uh, although I do think there is an advantage for the Rams here having known what they were going to look like all offseason. And the, the 49ers went into this season planning to be a totally different offense than what they're having that's to be fair. right now. That's fair. And it, maybe that's the reason why they didn't score last week. But it's not like it's a new offense. It's the offense that they ran last year that they had yeah. all the success. And, you know, Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo have worked together very, very nicely. The stats show it. The records show it. A winning record with Jimmy G at quarterback. This, to me, comes down to familiarity. These teams know each other. And maybe you could say that the 49ers actually might have had an edge had it been Trey Lance at quarterback because it's something that maybe Sean McVay and the Rams hadn't prepared for. There's got to be some sort of adjustment that is made here that – they're going to take into this matchup. It's funny. We talk about this all the time in this division particularly, and it's funny how these coaches seem to have just edges over each other. Mm -hmm. Earlier this year, we talked about McVay absolutely owning Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Well, Kyle Shanahan uh, owns Sean McVay. Yeah, and we've I mean, listen. Pete Carroll owns Kyle Shanahan. Uh, <laughs> but in, in this particular matchup, it, it, Kyle Shanahan, 8-3 and three ATS against McVay, five points per game margin. Uh, Is it four straight, I think? Uh, it was 3-0 and oh last season ATS. Even the, even the loss was – so even the Stafford-led Rams, Sh- Shanahan's 3-0 and oh against these guys. Because uh, they um, they covered in the, the playoff game? Yeah. They covered, okay. Yep, and, yeah. and two of those – the eight and threes, two of those three – were C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins games. Mm-hmm. So the, the games where the 49ers were without a quarterback. So I, I'm I'm certainly in no hurry to back Sean McVay against Kyle Shanahan, who I feel like just kind of has his number. Uh, so I, I think if anything, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean to playing the 49ers here. What about the total? Total at 42 and a half. This it feels like really low. It, it does feel low, but. When you think about both these offensive lines, it's struggling. And the 49ers' defensive front creates pressure without blitzing. They're, they're, it's natural pressure you're going to get from these guys. I, I worry about the Rams being able to I, – I, I worry that the Rams' offense might look somewhat like it looked at against Buffalo when Buffalo was all over Matt Stafford in week one. I could see this 49ers' front getting after Stafford that same way. And then the total is going to have a hard time getting there. So, uh, if anything, I, I may look to a 49ers team total over. I think 49. I, I think, man, I think the unders in play. Uh, the 49ers defense is really good. They're phenomenal. And, and and by the way, the Rams defensive front should be after Jimmy Garoppolo all week. I, so I, I, I think if anything, the under the under might be the the side to go if you think the Rams can can hold the 49ers in check. I'm going to end up on the side. I'm going to play the 49ers. I'm going to leave the total alone with a lean to the under. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to play any side in this one. I might I might look into this under a little bit, maybe play a half under, uh, first half or something like that. But I think this is a field goal game. I think this comes down to whoever has the football last. Agreed. 
All right, let's switch to college football here for a minute. The Wisconsin Badgers made a big change yesterday. Moving on from Paul Christ, which is, I, I, I mean, I, could be nothing less than shocking. Like, I, I didn't see this coming. I, I can't imagine you saw this coming. Nope. Uh, but Paul Christ, this is a guy who is a, a Wisconsin alum. He is a former Badgers quarterback. He's been a coach there his whole life. 67 and 26, won three Big West title, Big Ten West titles, and two New Year's Six Bowls. A two-time Big Ten coach of the year, now fired from Wisconsin. Make sense of this for me. Uh, here's a wild stat that might help make sense of it. This comes from uh, Dirk Chatelain, um from the Omaha World Herald. Bo Pelini had a record at Nebraska from 2008 to 2014 of 66 and 27. Paul Christ's record at Wisconsin from 2015 to 2022, 67 and 26. It's like, would you would you think that Bo Pelini had a more successful career than Paul Christ? No, at Wisconsin. No. Well, there it is. But Paul Christ was winning Big Ten West titles. <laughs> that's, <laughs> well, that's the job. True. Like, listen, it, both of those schools, you're at a place where. You're probably not winning the Big Ten because whoever's in the Big Ten West Mm -hmm. is typically going to be a massive underdog to the Big Ten East. But the fact that this guy's a three-time Big Ten West champion, that automatically says he's done more than what Bo Pelini could do. 10-3-11-3-13-1-8-5-10-4-2020-4-3-COVID-shortened-year-2021-9-4-and-now-off-to-a-2-3-start-so-8-5-his-worst-season Worst season, not, and if you take out the 2020 COVID season, mm-hmm. eight and five, his worst season in eight years, and they move on from him. That doesn't make any sense to me for a place like Wisconsin. And and this happens sometimes. Schools start to think they're more than they are. This is a really good coach for Wisconsin football. This is, I I would argue, this is about as as good as they can hope for right now. Like Barry Alvarez isn't walking back through that door. This is a good coach you had. I'm I'm curious to see what the long-term answer is. Uh, I, I know that, you know, we've kind of kicked around the – like we talked about the replacement at Nebraska. I, Paul Christ, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to Nebraska. But what's the – is the, the interim coach here the long-term answer for Wisconsin? I thought that Jim Leonard would be – Nebraska coach. The Nebraska head coach. So now he's the interim at Wisconsin. I Does think Nebraska call Paul Christ? Well, I don't know about that, but I think now Wisconsin gives Jim Leonard the job. Like, not interim. Like, full-time. And perhaps this is a blockage move. Because haven't we seen this before? I'm trying to think of example. I feel like, well, we've seen it in, like, baseball trades and signings. But haven't we seen this in coaching moves before? I think they made this move because they, they didn't, didn't want to lose Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard. And they probably felt that if they don't give this guy the head coaching job, because no one would argue that the class of Wisconsin football has been their defense. No doubt. For year in and year out. And Jim Leonard's name has been floated around as one of the hot commodities in college football coaching. And so if they did not want to lose this guy, maybe they felt now was the time to name give him the job see what he does at the end of uh, through the rest of this season and then he becomes your full-time head coach 
It's interesting, and I I do think that you might you may be onto something there, but I don't think this is good for the short term for Wisconsin. Uh, Braylon Allen, the do it all running back, and really the offense in at Wisconsin, tweeted out last night. Anyone who wanted Coach Chris gone isn't a part of this team. So mm. that tells me there's going to be a locker room divided. Yeah, there's going to be some unhappy guys in there, and if Braylon Allen's unhappy. <laughs> good, what, what, good luck, Wisconsin. So, AJ, if we now look at next game for the Wisconsin Badgers, laying nine and a half on the road at Northwestern, are we thinking about backing <clears throat> the fighting Wildcats? I'm thinking about playing the under because I do think that there is a, a, a clear line drawn here where – if Braylon Allen, who to me is the leader of the offense, sorry, Graham Mertz, uh, <laughs> but Braylon Allen saying what he said, then there's always the idea that the defensive guys may be happy that their that their guy is now the guy in charge. Sure, so, sure, they they and they play hard. They fight no out. doubt, yeah. and they're going to play hard anyway. But I do think that this offense is it was already kind of a mess. And hearing what I've heard out of, out of them. Uh, I don't expect them to be very good. I always worry about the first game with a new coach because sometimes you get that first coach bump. In mm-hmm. this case, I don't know that you get a bump on the offensive side, so I'm going to look to play the under in that game. Who wins the Big Ten West? Is it Iowa? I, I don't know. Stop I, it. I, I don't know what the answer to that question It's a trick question. Can Illinois. No, you might be right. I want to just say no one can win the Big Ten West. <laughs> uh, but it, I guess someone has to do it. Minnesota, you would have thought, but that was as ugly of a game as you will see Minnesota out of without, a top team. Minnesota without Ibrahim, I don't even want to watch them play football. So, yeah, things are things are ugly right now in the Big Ten West, and it's it's kind of a – everybody's one and one except for Wisconsin, who's 0-2 in the Big Ten. So it's just a, a mishmash of ugly there. I don't know who comes out on top of this. It could be It could be Wisconsin. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all if it ends up being Wisconsin. But I will say this, Wisconsin who like you said Jim Leonard the guy that everybody's wanting to go get. Jim Leonard gave up 52 points to Ohio State mm-hmm. and just gave up 34 points to Illinois. The defense is not as good as it's been in the last few years. Okay? So hold, holding New Mexico State down to a touchdown it doesn't tell me anything. What I've seen so far in Big Ten play is maybe this Wisconsin defense isn't as elite as it's been the last couple seasons. Not a ranked team in that Western division. Minnesota, Minnesota completely drops out. How about that? Deservedly so. Absolutely. Minnesota, one of the uh, others receiving votes. Maybe Purdue with, with Aiden O'Connell back. They get that nice win. Maybe with a healthy quarterback, we could see them make a run. Yeah, but I don't. I, I don't Again, know how much I'm buying into. Listen, yeah. whoever you look at in the Big Ten West, they're a you're sacrificial gonna go, lamb. You're gonna go. Oh, I don't want to pick them. Yeah, there's no there's no fun team to pick in the Big Ten West. Yeah, not really a fun team to pick in the Big Ten anyway. I mean, Ohio State's ranked third, and Michigan's ranked fourth, and. I don't think that anybody would tell you that Michigan is the fourth best team in the country right now. But then again, I don't think there is a fourth best team in the country. <laughs> so got to be somebody. <laughs> a wild upset, AJ, last night in exhibition basketball as the Phoenix Suns lost an NBA preseason exhibition to the Adelaide 36ers. <laughs> of the, uh, I think they're the of the Australian, the uh, NBL, the Australian league. They were 
30 point favorites, I believe. <laughs> and Adelaide was 30 to 1 on the money line if you could place this bet wow. uh, somewhere. And um, I did see uh, somebody did place a bet on this. On Adelaide? On Adelaide at plus 1395, they got. Nice. So maybe a little worse odds than what was being reported. But anyway, Adelaide beat the Phoenix Suns by a score of 134. To 124. Okay. Well, I, it, this gives me great concern about the Suns going forward. <laughs> I'm just saying. If Actually, you can, if means you can, absolutely If you can bet <laughs> some of these preseason, um, you know, uh, basketball games, these exhibitions on whatever online site you use, maybe take a look at it. Take some flyers. Take you know, some flyers. I don't, think, I don't think the Suns would be taking this game against Adelaide all that seriously. <laughs> and I think any more matchups like that, you could probably look at the same. Don't you remember when the uh, Harlem Globetrotters uh, lost to Michigan State? I don't remember that. Yeah. They played a real basketball oh, game. Oh, no. And it was like their first loss, but like they lost to Michigan State, you know, and it was like a big deal. Those are college kids. That's humiliating. I know, I know. They actually had to play <laughs> by the rules. They, 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 they couldn't, just run the, couldn't just run the three-man weave at the top of the key for 20 minutes. That makes things tougher, doesn't it? Yeah. It does make things tougher. You got to Although they did have the uh, water bucket full of confetti. Oh, well, that's always a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, and in that exhibition game, uh, all the starters played 22 minutes for Phoenix including Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton. So they were all out there on the floor against the 36ers. As the Major League Baseball season winds down, AJ, the big series over the weekend was in Atlanta, the battle for the National League East between the defending World Series champion Atlanta Braves and the New York Mets, who have had a historical season in terms of their franchise and were basically in first place for the entire season. Well, the Braves swept the Mets in three games, including wins over Jacob deGrom and Max Scherzer, as they now have a two-game lead in the National League East with three games left to play, including now the tiebreaker so unless the Braves get swept by the Miami Marlins, they will win the division. And winning that division is a huge deal because in all likelihood, if the if the Mets do end up in the wild card round, they would face the Dodgers in the second round of the playoffs. Correct. And they would only be able to pitch Scherzer and DeGrom once each because they're going to have to pitch, have to in, pitch the in the wild round. card. Yes. So yeah. what's happening right now is the Padres have – a one-game lead over the Phillies for the second wild. Which, by the way, last night the, the Padres clinched a playoff berth. Yes. So they, they're the second time since 2006. All the money the Padres have been mm-hmm. spending, they finally, yes. finally clinched a playoff spot. So the Padres have a one-game lead over the Phillies for the second wild card spot. The Brewers are two games back, so the Brewers and Phillies are still battling for a playoff spot. And as I mentioned, Padres are one game up on the Phillies. Now, why is that important? The way that the baseball postseason will work out, the two wild cards will play each other. So one and two will play each other. If the season ended today, prior to tonight's games, it would be Mets against the Padres, and then the Phillies as the third wild card will face the Cardinals, winners of the National League Central. And then the top two seeds, being the Atlanta Braves and the Dodgers, will play the winners of those series. With the Dodgers playing the wild card winner, and that would be the winner of the Mets and Padres series, the Braves playing the winner of the other series. So there's a chance that the Mets have to use DeGrom and Scherzer in the wild card series, 
then probably don't pitch until games three and four, which means they wouldn't be available for the rest of the series. So, yeah, that that means Mets against the Dodgers, DeGrom and Scherzer only one time. And while all the AL playoff spots are clinched up, you mentioned Philly and Milwaukee fighting for the last wildcard spot. The Phillies, their last series against the Astros, the Brewers' last series against the Diamondbacks. That seems uh, a little one-sided there, doesn't it? It does. So let's set the stage on Monday's baseball slate. We'll start with those games right here in the look ahead. We'll start with that Phillies matchup against the Astros. Aaron Nola gets the ball for the Phillies. Lance McCullers Jr. will get the start for the Astros in that one. And as for the Milwaukee Brewers, they are at home against the Diamondbacks. Massive favorites, the Brewers. Minus 235 on the opener. Brandon Woodruff gets the ball for Milwaukee. And Tommy Henry will start for the Diamondbacks. The Padres, who are one game up on the Phillies currently, in their uh, wild card standings, they take on the Giants in San Diego. Joe Musgrove is on the hill for the Padres. And John Brebbia, Brebbia, B R E B B I A. Say that 10 times fast. Brebbia, 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 It just doesn't work. Elsewhere around baseball, the Atlanta Braves will take on the Marlins. Bryce Elder gets the start for the Braves. Jesus Lazardo for the Marlins. The Mets, who are not mathematically eliminated just yet. Uh, they will send Carlos Carrasco to the hill in Queens against the Nationals. Corey Abbott goes for D.C. Elsewhere around the league, Tyler Glass now gets his second start off the I.L. as he builds up his arm strength, ready to go for the Rays in the postseason. Glass now in his first game off the I.L., just through three innings, but allowed just two hits. One run came on a home run. The Rays are in Boston to take on the Red Sox with Rich Hill going for the Red Sox. Tampa minus 140. Other games around the league, Cleveland minus 190 at home against the Royals. Uh, Tristan McKenzie, Zach Greinke, Cardinals at the Pirates. Mitch Keller goes for the Pirates. No announced pitcher yet for the Cardinals. AJ, did you see what the Cardinals did here on Sunday in their final home game of the regular season? Did not see. Oliver Marmol, their manager, went out to the mound to take out Adam Wainwright in the fifth inning. And Adam Wainwright... Uh, Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols all exited the game together. So for one last time in the regular season, because the Cardinals are in the playoffs, but for one last time in the regular season, the Cardinals' big three walking off the field to a nice standing ovation. It's very heartwarming. It was very heartwarming. glad you told me that story. It it made me feel good. I've got to look it up on YouTube. The Reds take on the Cubs. (laughs) Hunter Green gets the start. Cincinnati minus 135. Total of 7.5. You know I love overs. Hunter Green starts. The Blue Jays are at the Orioles. Jose Barrios on the hill for Toronto. Dean Kramer for the uh, Orioles. Toronto minus 135. I don't like laying any juice when Barrios is on the hill. Give me the Orioles and the over in that one. Yankees at the Rangers. Luis Severino against Martin Perez. Yankees minus 145. Aaron Judge still stuck on 61 home runs. So AJ will Judge get to 62. I'm going to say, oh, will he get to it at all or tonight? Uh, I'm going to say not tonight. Ask me again tomorrow. I'll let you know, but I'm going to say tonight. No. Judge to homer tonight, plus 260 odds that he will homer in Texas against the Rangers. 
Moving on, you got the uh, Twins at the White Sox. Johnny Cueto gets a start for Chicago, minus 125 against Bailey Aubert. The Angels at the A's, Patrick Sandoval. I didn't call him Pablo this time. a boy. Uh, against Adrian Martinez, our favorite Big 12 quarterback. Uh, <laughs> the Angels, minus 178. Much better pitcher than quarterback. <laughs> Tigers are at the Mariners. George Kirby goes for Seattle. And uh, how about Seattle ending the longest postseason drought? In the four major professional sports, the Mariners are going to the postseason for the first time in in decades. Good for uh, them. Yeah. I feel like you, you don't have to be a Mariners fan. I don't know that there are Mariners fans. Actually, that's not true. My wife's family's from the Northwest, and they're Mariners fans. But, like, yeah, they're the kind of team that when they make it, it's like, oh, that's good for them. Good for them. It's not like the you know the Yankees or the Red Sox or the Cubs. When they, when they make the playoffs, you feel cold and dead inside. But when a team like the Mariners makes it, it's like, oh, wow. All right. So the little guys can still do something. It's here. been 21 years since the Mariners were last in the postseason in two. And that's the year they set the record with the best, re- yeah. uh, best record in baseball, right? Yeah. Final game on the slate. The Dodgers hosting the Rockies. L.A. massive. Minus 355 favorites. Ooh. Uh, Tony Gonsolin gets the start for the Dodgers. Gonsolin has not pitched since August 23rd. Think about what you just said. Guy who hasn't pitched in like a month and a half is a minus 355 favorite. Exactly. Uh, He's coming off the IL as he gets ready to uh, get ready for the postseason. Uh, Rockies will send uh, Urena to the hill, but Dodgers, yeah, minus 355. Gonsolin. It's absurd. 16-1 and on the season with a 2.1 ERA, but again, this is his first off off the IL. Do not know how long he will go in this matchup. If you're looking at, you know, there was one time I thought maybe he would have a chance to win the Cy Young because of his record and how good he was doing. But for him to basically miss an entire month plus, uh, he eliminated himself from the running. You're the baseball guy. Is it, is, I, and I don't know much about this Rockies team. Is that value on the Rockies? Or has there has to be. Yeah, because the guy making his first, off, first start off the IL – you don't know how long he's going to go. He might only go three innings. I mean, Tyler Glass now, we just saw this last he week. He went three, three innings. innings. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know what the pitch count's going to be on Tony Gonsolin, but there's no way I'm betting the Dodgers minus 355. Yeah, take a flyer. Do a little. How about do a little money line sprinkle here? Do the Rockies at the plus money? Go do the Tigers. Mariners clinched the postseason, right? Although, no, there is stuff to play for still because they're jockeying for positioning. They're a game and a half up on the Rays right now. So do you want to be in that first wild card spot? Do you want uh, in that first wild card game against the Blue Jays? Or do you want to be in that third wild card spot where you will take on the Guardians? But the Dodgers not jockeying for any position. No. I mean, the Dodgers no. know where they no. sit. They've got no reason to, you know, to burn through their best bullpen arms to try to get a late season win over the Rockies. Means Let me ask you something. If you are... The Seattle Mariners, do you want to play the Blue Jays in Toronto or do you want to play the Guardians in Cleveland? I don't know the answer to that. I don't know enough about those teams to know. I would assume the the Blue Jays feel like the tougher out to me. Does Cleveland have like an ace go-to guy that they're going to be able to throw? Well, Shane Bieber. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess maybe I would maybe I would rather play – Maybe I'd rather play against the Guardians, and I'm still struggling to call them the Guardians. I would much rather play against the Guardians. The Guardians are the second worst home run hitting team in Major League Baseball. They have only hit 126 home runs on the year. The only team that has less, the Detroit Tigers. And so I am not going to worry 
about my team getting beat by the long ball, whereas the Blue Jays have the seventh most homers in Major League Baseball with 198. One mistake pitch from your pitcher, and the Blue Jays can send it out of the ballpark. The Guardians, not so much. Although I'm looking at the the last 20 games for the, the Guardians, and they're like 16 and 4 in because the last play, 20 games. Because they're playing their division. Ah, okay. They've just been crushing their divisional opponent, right? I mean, go look at the Guardians' schedule over this time period, right? It's it's they've dominated who? They dominated right the, the Royals. The Royals they, they, the, two out of three against Tampa. The Rangers they they crushed. The White Sox they no, crushed. Yeah, but they they crushed the White Sox. They crushed Minnesota. They played in back to back series, right? Yeah. Uh, before that, there was a, a run against I think it was Detroit and Chicago back to back. So. Yeah, but I guess as of late you're talking. So it was it was Minnesota, Chicago, Texas. And then, yeah, taking two out of three from Tampa is pretty impressive. It just feels like a team who's playing that well, no matter who they're playing against, going into the playoffs, they're going to have some confidence. What's amazing is, like, people don't talk about this team enough, but you got a guy in Emmanuel Classe who's got 41 saves on the year with a 1.38 ERA. Guardians take a lead against you going into the ninth inning. You're probably losing that game. Yeah. Not many people are talking about this. Nobody talks about this team because they're called the Guardians. That is a very good point. He's A.J. Hoffman. I'm Scott Seidenberg. This is Straight out of Vegas AM. If you're listening right now on the Dream Preview podcast feed, we will still be on this feed for the next week or so. But after that, it's going to be exclusively on the separate Straight out of Vegas AM feed. So you want to make sure that you go ahead, find the new podcast feed, and subscribe to that if Sub- you are listening stay here. Stay subscribed to both. Well, I mean, of course. Because you're going to get lots of content podcast, there. No doubt. Dream Preview podcast every week. But but SOV AM will no longer be on the Dream Preview feed after this next week or so. We hope you have a great day, and we hope that we can help you each and every day become a smarter and more profitable, better. This is your one-stop shop for all things sports talk with a Vegas lean. New episodes available each and every morning, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. Eastern time. So go ahead, just search for Straight Out of Vegas AM wherever you get your podcasts from hit that subscribe button like and leave a comment and we will be back with you tomorrow right here on straight out of vegas am <laughs>